everybody. Welcome to episode 105 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson, director. So, no, okay. I'll, I'll try again next episode. Uh, how are you? I was okay. Yeah. So you annoyed the living shit out of me with that. All right. So uh, you may hear things in the background. Sometimes we think you can and you can't, but if you do, it's yeah. the summer and it's the weekend. Yard work. And everybody is out making noise. So, you know. We haven't installed the soundproof walls yet. No, 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 no. I haven't done that. So it is, it's, it's, we got, we got reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- we got some exciting stuff, some exciting stuff here. So we did, we d- is there anything going on in news that we wanted to get out of the way? Well, AMC. Yeah. Uh, the AMC we'll, thing. We'll, we'll trash on them for a second. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> um. Back and forth. Yeah. Flip, didn't want to be flopping. political. I don't understand how not dying is political. But welcome well, to the current climate. Yeah. Well, so. that's, that's the thing that was weird. It's like, I don't under, like, I'd rather them come out and say, we don't feel it's a public safety hazard to not wear masks. At least that is sound. I don't agree with it, but it's sound logic mm-hmm. from a how things work perspective. But to say they don't want to get into a political battle, it's like wearing a mask isn't a political battle. It's a you know, humanitarian. It is though. It it's is become one, but yeah. it isn't right. It really isn't right. And, and but what they're, they're not going to enforce it either way. What they're catering to are the predominantly right wing individuals who feel that this is cause they're, I mean, I know there's people on the left that must think this as well, but it's predominantly people on the right who feel that mask wearing is some type of amendment killer and that yeah. covid's not real yeah. which is a whole other issue <laughs> so it's a, it's that's a, why they're you know they they're at that point they're catering to the side that's going to say that you're forcing them that forcing people to wear masks is some type of yeah it's really just um, become an us versus them thing it's another another thing what side are you on you know if you're going to wear a mask you're like a weak liberal and if you don't you're a tough there's conservative it 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 aside from minor discomfort it's more of an annoyance. Yeah. It doesn't affect your life in any way. No, yeah. Really. It, it, there's, there's no permanent effect on your life, unlike pulmonary disease and infection, <laughs> which yeah. can have a permanent effect on your life. So even if all this is being blown out of proportion and it's not as bad as they say that it is, why not err on the side of caution? I mean, that's like saying, look, we're going to do surgery and you may or may not get a wicked, terrible infection that could kill you. But there's a chance it may not. What do you want to do? Yeah, there's a low chance that you can get an infection and die. Like, I've actually had to weigh things like that out going to, I forgot what I was having done. I had something done and they were like, well, here's your antibiotic. And I was like, well, what's that for? And they're like, well, there's like a, there's like a low chance that you can get an infection. And I was like, like a really low chance. They're like, yeah, it usually doesn't happen. I'm like, well, then I'm not going to take it because if I, that's, that's a situation where if you see Hey, I'm starting to feel like I might be, I might have an infection. You can start taking the antibiotic, you know, Plus but if you say to you. me, if you say like, well, there's a high chance of you getting an infection, I'm taking that shit because yeah. <laughs> why would I risk that? Yeah. I'm not going to go with like the 20% chance that I won't get it. But if you flip those numbers, it's like, oh. Yeah, but that's just you. You know what I mean? Like that's just affects you. Like it doesn't. Right. No, but know. I'm saying just on, on a logistical standpoint. That's just like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you just err on the side of caution for something that 
the numbers are so high for. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you guys are fucking nutbags. Uh, well, AMC yeah, flip-flopped. AMC flip-flopped. They said, no, no masks. And then people boycotted them and they're like, okay, fine, masks. But who's going to sit there? We yeah, talked about this before. Who's going to sit there like with their night vision goggles <laughs> just you know watching everyone in it's, the audience? It's because theaters make, as we all know, make all their money off of concession sales. Mm-hmm. And if you're wearing a mask, that could potentially affect their sales of how much you're going to, like, well, I have to wear a mask, so I'm not going to buy popcorn. And there goes their money. I'm sure that has something to do with it, yeah. Because I don't know, man. I think it has a lot to do with it. If they're going to continue to sell food, then you're able to still lift your mask to eat. Yeah, but still, I think it's just a mindset of people like, like well, I'm masked up, so I don't want to eat anything or whatever. I mean, people at restaurants or you don't have a mask in a restaurant, they yeah. just seat you further yeah, but away from everybody it's easier to yeah it's easier you can wear a mask in and then once you sit down and you're settled you can take it off which makes no sense i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me like well if you're if you're well, i don't want to belabor this point but if you're you know if the tables are set up like 10 feet apart once you sit down with your group or your partner or whatever um i think taking it off it, it is yeah, a, there's a minimal risk there i mean i'm i'm looking at i'm not like i'm, I'm not going out to eat things that soon. i've seen before all this happened, being in public and watching people that are stocking shelves actually open mouth cough on what they're stocking. I've seen that happen. Like I've seen it in action. And so if you're seated six feet away from me at a table and you open mouth cough and a breeze hits and is hitting in my direction. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but... You're still you're still I don't know. I'm just not going to a restaurant for a long time. To me, that's the safer bet than just, oh, I'm just going to sit six feet away from this other yeah. person. I don't know what the hell is going on there. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, just cover your damn mouths, yeah. please, at the very least. If we could at least trust people to be adults yeah. and not yeah. open mouth cough and sneeze everywhere, then maybe. But we can't because we are the Veruca salt of the world. Every uh, uh, go to a uh, we won't, we won't restaurant now. and it'll all be like quarantined off like a bunch of... Uh, um... They did that in, um, I think... Uh, I forgot what country did that. You sat in your little, they did like like a cubicle. Yeah. They did like little, um, it was really nice looking. And I was like, I'd like that for when this stops. I'd like to just be left alone and not have the person behind me in a booth touching me or their (laughs) freaking kids staring at me six inches from my head. Yeah. So, um, I think we should do that for every restaurant. I think you're onto something. (laughs) Well, I didn't start it, but they should keep that going. All right. So we, we've seen some stuff. We talked Last week about uh, we gave you a little preview of what we were going to be reviewing in Mm -hmm. case you wanted to catch up or start watching things. So if you haven't finished watching things or watched things, there's going to be some spoilers here. Yeah. So this may not be the episode for you if you haven't really watched these things. But if you don't care and about spoilers and we won't spoil it too much. Yeah. Not going to give like every single thing away, but. I can't be held responsible for what I might ruin for you. Enter at your own risk. Exactly. So uh, the first thing we had recommended was an indie film called The Vast of Night. It's available mm-hmm. on Prime, mm-hmm. I believe. I mean, yeah. it was free. So if you have Prime. So it was low risk yep. for us. Yep. If, if it wasn't good, it didn't cost us anything aside from Just our time. time. So I had seen this in articles and people were talking. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of a lot of yammering on about this this independent film that um, was very entertaining, and so I said, "Hey, we should watch this film." And we, did. Mm, we did. So, the Vast of Night. It's it's a writer director. Always a fan of that. Uh, Andrew Patterson. I did reach out 
to him and I never heard back. Yeah. I would have liked to have um, kind of had him on to talk about. Well, now we can say how we really feel. <laughs> well, there's one thing that I probably wouldn't have brought up, but I'm going to bring up now <laughs> if he'd been on the show. Um, so what uh, what did you think? The vast of night. Well, well, it's an it's an alien. Let's just say that it's a it's a yeah. It's a story of uh, it takes place in the fifties. Mm-hmm. And um, safe to say, yeah. And um, yeah, it's about uh, these two people. I guess I don't know. Well, if switchboard operator. Yeah, she's a switchboard operator, and he's like a radio they detect like a, a a weird anomaly and it's some kind of audio anomaly, and then it. Turns out there's like aliens or whatever. I think I don't think that's a, it's kind of in the trailer or whatever. But um, from a technical side, I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, some of the shots and the choreography and the and the um, just pulling off what he pulled off is amazing. There's some shots in there that you know you go from one location all the way to like the other side of town. You know, on like a freaking um, four wheel drive vehicle or something. Yeah, something. Uh, it was pretty impressive. And then to just show up at that place and have everything happening when it's supposed to be happening. And uh, the, techn- the technical side of it, it was just inspiring. The, um, but, the, you know, I feel, you know, you had a lot of like really long wide shots at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't hate. But I feel like I, I could have been more invested sooner had I been closer to the. It was also kind of like a oneer. Yeah, there's a lot of oneer, big wide oneers, which are cool. I love those, uh, but I wanted to f- feel more invested into the characters and being so far away all the time. I I didn't get I didn't feel invested into the characters right away yet, you know, because it still felt like we're setting the scene. And so eventually, I did. I I I liked the movie. Let me just say that mm-hmm. I really liked the movie. And the, it's one of those movies where the further I get away from it, I'm like, you know what, that was pretty good. <laughs> you know, one of those uh, movie grenades. But um. I, that that's probably my only critique is like you know I like the the dialogue I like the 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 you know the lighting's good it's very natural lighting you know it's like kind of dark a little too dark in some places but you know I um yeah I really liked it there are some some things that I have uh that I wanted to talk about but overall I think it was a really really good movie well what did you want to talk about I mean I I had I had pros and cons here well just I that just I think just that you know having so many wide shots at the beginning is was really like i said like really tough for me to get involved into into the characters right away but mm-hmm. from a production standpoint very impressive what did you so that was just the wide shot was it, or the yeah i think so because you know a lot of the the lighting things were they were really solid but i didn't understand some of the choices so yeah so i mean okay so i Overall, I liked this film. I would give it like a solid B plus A minus somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Um, so the things that I really liked about it, that opening shot really didn't bother me very much. I I kind of enjoyed that. Right away, they he he jumps into um, this just very kind of long winded dialogue with with the characters, and I will say that his writing, his dialogue, is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before that I have a pet peeve when it comes to dialogue, when people speak in a way that it doesn't sound like they would normally speak or it sounds scripted and written and it doesn't. And that has, it's partly because of the writing and partly because of the way the actors deliver their lines and how they work with that dialogue. But I really liked the dialogue, which sounds weird to some people. Like you liked the way they said things. Yes, yeah. I did because it, it helped you. It sort of helps immerse you into yep. that scene and into that world. I 
the the uh, lead actor Sierra McCormick. There's two like main actors, Sierra mm-hmm. McCormick and Jake Horowitz. Sierra McCormick was really, really good. I had mm-hmm. not heard of her before or Jake Horowitz before. They both did a very good job. But she had a really natural way of playing this character mm-hmm. that I thought she did very, very well. And there's a scene that is, I think, I don't know, maybe it was originally 11 minutes or it got cut down to 11 minutes, yeah. something like that. It's, she's a switchboard operator. And it's one scene, like in one take. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's um, got to plug things in and pl- unplug things and, and work the switchboard as if she's been doing it which forever. Which was working, by the way. Yeah. They found So they found these vintage switchboards. And then if I if I remember correctly when I read it, they had rigged them to actually work so that you can call from a cell phone, call into the switchboard and get these sort of back and forth kind of, yeah. which is very cool. And as an actor, I'd imagine is, is uh, helpful because you're actually having to play that character, do what they would have done instead of just like, here, stick stick this in the hole and yeah, just yeah. keep doing that back and forth because there's, and then just also on a side note, the fact that this was a job and how the hell they kept track of what was supposed to, yeah. this is ringing boom, boom. And then everything is just really convoluted way of doing yeah. things. That was once just normal communication. So, uh, credit to them for learning having to learn how to do that again and then figure all that out that scene i think someone can say they'd either liked it or they hated it well the scene was too long i really liked it because i was totally like into what she was doing and that is mostly because of her acting ability yeah someone who wasn't as strong of of an actor or didn't play the character that way could have sort of bored you out of that scene Mm -hmm. but she did a really good job yeah she looked like she was doing this for a job like she's done it a million times and yeah you know that's credit goes to her for that for sure yeah so i i really i i enjoyed the overall story i loved the performances i thought the dialogue was great the lighting was pretty good i there were like you said there were moments where it was a little too dark for me and i enjoyed that spoiler that they didn't show really what was going on yeah it was more of a mood and a tone that was set this takes place at night mm-hmm so it's harder to see, which is a good call on the filmmaker's part to, you know, let's make sure this is all at night because we don't have to deal with effects as much yeah. in terms of detail. And it's sort of in, it's it's uh, it's suggested what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Where I think someone else may have been like, let's show a spaceship. Yeah. And I think that let's have an alien confront them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it, that's not going to look great without a humongous budget and we've even seen that not look great on humongous budgets so knowing your limits and saying like hey i want to do something that's about aliens but it's creepier when you don't see you can't really see where they're coming from or what they're coming to you in and um so all of that i overall i really like the film i had a few issues with the film one of my cons would be that there was this weird artistic choice to do a scene within a scene of a television. And I felt like as a transition, that was maybe three or four seconds. Okay. But that they would actually play the scene out as a scene within the scene of a television of an old television for like minutes on end. And it was like, all right, (laughs) let's stop that. Like I could have, I could have taken or leave left that, you know, I I wasn't a fan. uh, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but you know, kudos to that person for, for you know following through with what they want but i don't know i could have done without it i guess it would have been it wouldn't it didn't add anything for me i didn't mind it as a transition maybe once or twice but it was done a lot yeah um and and i 
didn't really care for that. My really only second complaint mostly was after the fact in that. So this film had apparently, according to the interwebs, and they never lie. So mm-hmm. let's just get that straight. They had a $700,000 budget. Okay. That's for us like 30 films. <laughs> so, but by uh, by indie film standards and on something that's doing so well, that's a pretty low budget to mm-hmm. do something for under a million dollars. Um, but here's here was my gripe. So I later found out that in the opening scene, they had done, I think maybe two scenes or something like that, but an opening scene that you were talking about, which was this very like wide rolling shot. Mm-hmm. They're playing... And the scene is wide because they're playing basketball. So right. they're trying to show both teams as opposed to one team. And it's this just one big scene. And so apparently the director, who is a sports fan, mm-hmm. I guess he likes the basketball. I don't yeah. know. He, he likes the hoopy dunks, was miffed by the fact that the lines. Yeah. Okay. Now you sports people are going to be like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're saying it wrong. But here just. In layman's terms, all right. The lines and where you shoot shit and your points and all that have since changed. Yeah. And so filming in an actual gymnasium, they are going to be painted to current standard. Mm-hmm. This is taking place in the 50s. So his issue was that the lines wouldn't be where they are. And so Homie dropped $20,000 to have the entire gym re-sanded and the lines painted where they should be. I can tell you as a fact, this is fact. As a person who doesn't give a shit about sports, I would have never fucking noticed that. <laughs> Definitely not worth $20,000, yeah. which I'm not good with the maths. I don't know what $20,000 out of $700,000 budget is. But seeing as that my dream is to film for $20,000... That's way too much. Yeah. That's way too much. I think for like five grand, you could have had somebody go in and... Digitally just change that. Like nobody would have noticed that. I think even sports fans would have probably... I mean, it wasn't a focus enough to be paying... I mean, mean, there was one scene where there was an actual game going on. Yeah. And maybe somebody who's like a sports fanatic might be like, oh, those lines are different. But it added to the story in zero ways. Yeah. For that amount... No freaking way. I don't know. how. I, I mean, I don't know how well he knew the producer. If I was a producer, I'd have been like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, there's no way we are resanding. Because then you have to put it back. Yeah. So they had to resand you know, everything down, put it where it was supposed to be, and then put it back the way they found it. Yep. I could see the the backboard to the to the basketball hoopy. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that didn't look the way they look now. It looked right. very different. But that's not $20,000. That's an easy fix. You take those down, you put the other ones up, you put the other ones back up, that's it. Yeah. But to actually drop that kind of coin on a floor because there's lines, as you'd said, you could have easily, you, you could have just painted damn floor green. And <laughs> like, I know. Just, that would have been way less. Green screen, paint the whole floor, put the lines in and then take it off. I don't know. Repaint it or just just to have to sand it the one time. I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah, there's no pickup shots for that. No. That one. No. Put back. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a a, a very crazy line item. But, you know, that was the one thing that, okay, if we if we if we'd had this dude on the show, I probably wouldn't been like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Since he's not on the show, I'm going to say, what the hell is your problem? <laughs> I mean, who does that? Authenticity, man. I don't. It did I, feel very authentic. It I will did, say. but I don't question it when, like, 
you know, someone with a, a $20 million budget does that because they're like, what's $20,000 when you have $20 million at yeah. that point, but $700,000. And there's a lot, there were a lot of extras. Yeah. So you have wow. a lot of people to pay for those scenes and to get all, to have to then, um, sort of refurbish all of those switchboards. That's got to cost money mm -hmm. buying the switchboard, you know? So I just don't, I, 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 I took issue with that. Maybe it's just because we're, we're, poor filmmakers and you know yeah. we're just we i can't get over the fact that that much money was spent on it but sounds like something i'd do <laughs> does it yeah. not while i was around let me yeah. tell you that if i had I'd a slap your ass back budget, into reality I, was like, I need these lines to be no you wouldn't trust me <laughs> <laughs> i would be there to stop that <laughs> so overall i thought this film was really good um I, I really enjoyed what they did with it. And uh, I, I think that these these types of films can go in two totally different directions. People can have a seven, $700,000 budget and not really do much with it. Yeah. I felt that for the most part, he really utilized the budget. He did yeah. did a good job, told a good story, didn't overdo the theme of it. You know, it was just, a lot of it was was sort of left to your imagination, which I enjoy. So. Like I said, like I'd, I'd go like A minus. I yeah, thought it was pretty good. I would agree with that. I um, I really liked it. But like I said, I I, I keep looking back on it. And I'm like, that was pretty good. You know, I like the fact that they just left so much to the imagination. You know what it is? It's that when you see aliens and you hear aliens, you're waiting for a different movie. Yeah, you're waiting for and a big so, blue light to come out of the sky, and which you do get, but not well, but not more straight can, away, yeah. and not in the most obvious sense, and mm -hmm. so. When you hear alien, I'm like, I, I was kind of waiting and then I didn't get that. And I wasn't upset that I didn't get it. I was just like, oh, OK, it's kind of like a mindset yeah. that you have to be in. And that's why I think that as you sit with it, you're like, damn, for me, it was like that switchboard scene alone. Yeah. Even if I didn't like the rest of the film, that switchboard scene alone just was really, really good mm -hmm. and and uh, well performed and, and filmed. And uh, so I, I really liked it. That was good. I did, too. Good. Yay. Yay. So. um I'm not going to say that it isn't just solely that 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 had nothing to do with the current climate. I was going through my my Hulus, uh, through my things that I've had sitting in there forever. And they do take stuff out. So every every once in a while they have like whatever's expiring and things like that. Yeah. And so I was going through the list. And I didn't know what I felt like watching. And I settled on Detroit, which I know we're so freaking late to the game. Saw the trailer for it. I was like, that looks good. Cast looks good. I want to see that. And then just never got around to seeing it. And so we decided to watch this film. Um, I don't remember when. It's called like two years ago, I want to say maybe. Yeah, something like that. Two, two and a sure. half years ago. Catherine Bigelow, yeah. who is amazing. She she does really good, really, really, really good stuff. This is a fact. Um, it's a fact. Um, so Catherine Bigelow was the director. The writer was Mark Bowl, I believe it is. And... Um, so you've got uh, John Boyega, Algie Smith, Jacob Lattimore, Will Poulter, who played Duncan Savage. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, you know, somebody's done a good job when you hate them as a person. Yeah. After seeing them play a role. Yeah. I mean, I know Will Poulter's not this guy, obviously, but I just, I kind of want to punch him yeah. now. And uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a chameleon, you know, because I always thought of him as the eyebrow kid in that Jennifer Aniston movie. Yeah. And it was like, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's got the brows and, and he reminded me of the bully in Toy Story. Mm -hmm. And then, he, you know, then he came out in The Revenant 
And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, how's this going to work? But I totally bought I I forgot about yeah, the actor. goofy kid from that other movie. Mm-hmm. And so he played that scene. You know, he played his his parts really well. And I was like, OK. And then he came out in Bandersnatch and it was like, all right. So he's a bit of a chameleon. I'll give yeah. him that. He's got such a distinctive face that it's sometimes people that have really distinctive faces like that. It's hard to kind of take yourself away from yeah. that. Um, but he does a pretty good job. And then he was in this and I was like, Oh God. So I've gone through all of emotions with him. He's funny and silly, yeah. convincing drama, weird techie guy, asshole. Yeah. I'm sold. Yep. So, um, okay. So this, this was a, this is a, a film that takes place, uh, in Detroit during the seventies, uh, when there was, um, civil riot. unrest, there was to civil say the unrest least. to say the least. <laughs> And there were riots and, yep. and, and all of this was going on. And so this story focuses on um, Poulter's character and Boyega's character sort of meeting at another location where you've got Algie Smith and Lattimore and, um, oh God, I forgot her name. There's the, the girl from Game of Thrones um, that was married to, oh, to yeah. the fluffy dude. Yep. And um, Caitlin Dever. And then Caitlin Dever. Uh, who was in Unbelievable and uh, Booksmart and all that. And uh, so they, they they sort of, they meet up at the beginning of the story, sort of, and then everything just sort of clashes. Yeah. And uh, so Boyega's character is, I think he's more of like security. Yeah. And he's sort of uh, kind of pandering to the police because he knows what they're capable of. Um, so he's just trying to keep the peace, so to speak, mm-hmm. but winds up becoming witness to what is really going on here. And uh, this this film was nuts. Like, I knew it was going to be good when I saw the cast. And I was like, it's Catherine Bigelow. She's obviously not going to yeah. make a shit film. Like, I know this is going to be good. But I just didn't expect what happened and the way it went down to just, you know, because then afterwards I start looking up the story on the people that were involved. And I couldn't really find any photographs of the cops in question, which I thought, well, that's interesting. Why are they... Yeah. somehow protected you know after what's happened oh. but again not really surprised but yeah so it was, it was just it was just not so it follows a, a musician and i guess you would say his manager mm-hmm. who sort of get pulled into this bullshit and uh as well as the other characters that yeah that uh, the it's people that are like living a, in a in a like a, a housing complex it's yeah, like literally a, hot, a house a motel or something well, they were in a motel but then yeah. Yeah, they went to that. I, yeah, there was like, like you know, like when when you see a big house that gets split into apartments. That's yeah. kind of like not like a like a building complex, but like an actual house that got split into other complexes and things. Yeah, and so it was kind of like a Victorian looking house that they had different people living in, and it's just man. Yeah, so essentially the um, the cops respond to what they fear, what they felt, they heard gunshots mm-hmm. at this place, and so they respond. And they basically just hold everybody captive until they produce this so-called gun. Right. Well, there was a gun, but it was a prop gun. Right. And so he like the cops responding to hearing the shots. That was understandable because well, yeah, it's like well, you're hearing shot, you know, like you heard shots like, yeah. OK, we heard you did. You don't know that that's a prop gun, you yeah. know, but it's it wasn't like someone was shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if. They had someone had been shot and then they not that it's okay to run into the wrong place, but to go in with that urgency. But no one was shot. It was just like shots were fired and they were heard, but nobody got hit. And um, just the process of interrogation, the method that Poulter's character uses. And then also, I mean, it's the (laughs) 
it was just so frustrating because this movie came out like two and a half years ago, which was based on something that happened 40, 40 plus years ago, almost 50 years ago. Yet it was completely relative to what's literally happening still yeah. right now in that you have this cop that's taking things way too far and is race driven. And then every cop that is working alongside him going along with it. Yeah. Uh, so it was just so ironic. It was Even like, cops that were like on the fence about it and they're like. Eventually turned yeah. just out of peer like pressure. Peer pressure or whatever. Wanna... But what's great about it from a cinematic standpoint is how they kept upping the stakes along. You know, if, if you know, they're trying to find this gun and the, the, the more that they're holding these people, like they're getting more and more into it. So the more mm-hmm. that they get, the more deep they get into this situation, the more the stakes are being raised. So they keep having to raise the stakes, which just raises the intensity of it and i thought from a from a filmmaking perspective that was done so well because it was just like jesus like we're you know yeah and that cinematographer by the way is barry Ackroyd, who has worked with her before i think did hurt locker bombshell and jason Bourne. i mean i was like obviously a, a really good cinematographer and um the grading was really like really to the time, like it yeah. had this 70s gritty, feel and 70s. gritty. Yeah. And, um, so on a, on an aesthetic standpoint, it looked beautiful, but you know, I, I knew that it would because it's freaking Catherine Bigelow, but um, just the, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> just, I was, I was, I don't know what I thought I was going to get in that movie on, on the trailer. I thought it was going to be different. Uh, not in a good or bad way. I just thought it was yeah. different. And I didn't realize that it was really that it was. I mean, the majority of the film is basically this like hold up in, in this house. Yeah, it takes it's basically one moment in this crazy yeah. t- time. But I think that that moment really kind of sums up. Yeah. Everything that's happening really well. And the, the I mean, there's there's more nuance to it, obviously, you know, and, but uh, I mean, this is it was just it's just I can't I can't even it was it was frustrating and. It was like hard to watch and frustrating. Like it's just one, <laughs> one to punch so many people. And uh, the so, you know, spoiler, this one cop uh, at the end who seems reluctant throughout the film, not even so much reluctant as just like has reservation. Yeah. Um, does something that I knew he was going to do because I was like, this guy doesn't seem bright. Yeah. First of all, like, and, you uh, know, fill your team in on your plan. Yeah. Seriously. Christ. Like. When you're going to yeah. pillage and torture people mentally and emotionally, at least be on the same page. Uh, but not even that. It was just they went in blind and Poulter's characters just doing whatever the fuck he wants and did not have any kind of communication with the idiots alongside him who just went rogue with it. And uh, so I hate to say that because of because of that cop's um, lack of information that things had to be done because they didn't. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to continue after that. You know, I'm air quoting accidental fatality. Uh, Poulter's character could have stopped there, mm-hmm. but he didn't. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> just, that was a that was a that was a, a, a it was a really good film, but it was just a frustrating watch. And and mostly because it's like, oh, my God, this could happen. This could still happen. Could still yep. see this happening. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very, it. Unfortunately, it's a very timeless film because these issues just keep happening. You yeah. know, they're just not going away. And um, you know, it's always great to see when artists kind of use their voice to make a statement. Yeah, the topic was the topic was frustrating in that there's this constant, um, there's this constant bad apples. Uh, analogy that's yeah. being used but we seem to be leaving off the end of that i keep seeing that since since uh, our current civil rights climate has uh 
sort of resurfaced in, in, in protests and stuff. Everyone yeah. keeps using the whole bad apples and then stopping there. Well, there's always a few bad apples. That ruins the whole, but you're leaving the most important yeah. part of that statement out, which is that a few, that there's no space for a few bad apples, especially to this extent. Like we're not talking about somebody who's being rude, which of course is not okay, but we're not talking about somebody just being an asshole cop that's like pushing people around. Like this is murder. Yeah. And like legitimately torturing people emotionally and mentally yeah. <laughs> and physically and just just like whatever i don't know well that's that doesn't represent everybody it shouldn't represent anybody in yeah. that this is not a place it should where be a you zero can tolerance have policy i mean especially in you know it's like if you go to any other job and i mean you have to be be you know take, take it with context but you can't mess up your job as badly as some people do as a police officer and still and not be held accountable. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just pure like, accountability. If you don't do anything wrong, great. You know, and this isn't a stand as against the police in general. Like, I think policing is important. You know, we have a lot of bad people in this country, in the world, and they need to be held accountable as well. But I feel like the people that are being, that are holding these people accountable need to be held, just like, look, I'm not going to get all political, but. <laughs> as I get political. Yeah. But people that, the the gatekeepers, as it were, you know, the, the, the police and the politicians and stuff need to be held to such a high standard. Um, I think they should be um, because they're the ones that are deciding everybody's fate you know judges and 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 cops and politicians and everybody and i don't think there there's like zero should be zero tolerance for any of that stuff because once that system breaks down how how do we move on as a society you know how do you enforce law and order when there is no law and order within Within, yeah Yeah. so it's like within that organization i don't know jesus frustrating all right 2020 2020 (laughs) Um, okay, so the next thing that we're gonna that we're reviewing, it's a doozy. God, I've been waiting for this. It's a doozy. So uh, Mark Ruffalo's he's he's one of my faves. Mm-hmm. He give me the like, give me your top twenty list of actors. He's 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 on there. The Hulk. And uh, no, don't say the Hulk. I hate when <laughs> the Hulk. That's like the shittiest role that he's ever played, and he still even did a great job. But it just does not is not an example to use for Mark Ruffalo's capabilities as an actor. Shame, sir. Um, the Hulk. It's not the Hulk. <laughs> Just shut up. So <laughs> um, there was a love-hate with this for me when it came out mm-hmm. because the powers that be up here just regurgitated and regurgitated and regurgitated that this was filmed up by us. And it's like, oh, my God, we know. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Things are filmed all over the place. Let's move on. Yeah. And so you had, uh, you know, oh, she's such a snotty bitch. But, you know, I had all the, I'm air quoting actors in the area who were like, I waited online for 97 days so that I could be seen for three seconds in the background. I'm an actor. And it just, everyone came out of the woodwork for this one. And um, I had people like messaging me like, are you going to go to the audition? No, I'm not. They had some kind of huge audition at like some big place where, right? Wasn't that this this show? Uh, Was it the show? Was it for that one? I feel like it was. Like the the Civic Center or something. They had like. No, I think that was something else. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, cause there was a period piece for that, but like oh, way back, it? it went back. Uh, but it's just, it's typical. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, you know, I, I, no, I, I, I will watch this show and I love the actors in it, but I'm not standing in line for 97 days to get to potentially be in the background of something. Get out of here. So anyway, <laughs> um, I was already kind of annoyed because it was getting just shoved down 
my throat via social media and uh, with the locals around here. And I was like, off. but I knew like, look, it's Mark Ruffalo and he's going to do an amazing job. So um, this I'm listing a lot of the characters and a lot of the actors in it because everybody had, even if their role was small, it was so poignant yeah. and important. And um, I have to say, this is by far the best thing I've seen this year. And I know we're only like halfway through the year, so there's more to come. But I still think this is going to be one of the best things that came out of 2020. Yeah, It was amazing. So we have um, the, the uh, cinematographer for this. And here was another thing. We are setting up an interview with the DP for this show, Jody Lee Lipes. Mm-hmm. And you might be saying, well, why not wait to talk about the show then? Well, because he's done other stuff and I don't want to bombard him with just this thing. And I want to talk about this so much. So, yeah. so we're going to do this and then hopefully we'll have Jody Lee on and, you, and we can talk to him about his experience and his, you know, where he went with this and his other work. Um, so... Uh, the uh, the writer was Derek Cianfranche. Cianfranche. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say, um, and uh, now he wrote the book or he adapted the screenplay. Um, I think because I know it was well, based on a book. Yeah. The, well, it he well no he wrote six episodes and then there okay. was Anya Epstein who did two of the episodes. So, um, but he was also the director. Okay. So he's the writer director again. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And uh, okay, so um, Mark Ruffalo, Rosie O'Donnell, Catherine Hahn, Philip Ettinger. We're going to get into Philip Ettinger. Um, uh, John Procaccino, Melissa Leo, Archie Punjabi, Michael Gray Eyes, Donnie and Rocco. I want to say it's Masihi twins mm-hmm. and um, Marcello Fonti, that Another person that... <laughs> he's an italian actor so realistically i probably won't see a lot of his work but man i hate that guy if yeah. i see him in anything else i i will never see him as anything other than that character that poor man because yeah. uh he just played the role so well but um okay oh god i don't even know where to start my heart is racing this is not the show to watch if you are on the cusp of an emotional issue or time in yeah. your life if you're a in a place show. Don't watch this yet because you're going to need to just be or just like make sure you're watching this. Uh, If you're going to binge it, make sure you're like, use a buddy system. Yeah. Have a buddy system. Maybe have a virtual birthday party or something afterwards that's celebratory because you're going to need it. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. You're dead inside. If you get through the show and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, so I welled up and I'm a robot. He Paul is a an emotional robot and he had to nudge me to show that his eyes were tearing in one of the scenes because it was really, really tough. I had a moment in almost every episode. Yeah. Um, it was like Sunday night was my night. That was how I ended my evening. And I went from Sunday into Monday in an emotional roller coaster because I was like, oh, God, it's and I would not watch it. I had to. But I knew that shit was going to go down. It was going to be really traumatic. So this story is uh, it's uh, in the 80s. The set is is uh, from the 80s. And so you have Mark Ruffalo, who is playing two characters. He plays his own twin, um, as does Philip Ettinger, who plays the teenaged early 20 late late teenage like college age version of uh of of the character and then donnie and rocco play the children um 
Now, with Donnie and Rocco, it had to be two because of labor laws. There had yeah. to be uh, two actors playing, and 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 they did a great they did a great yeah. job for being like young kids. Like they, there were scenes that you, you had to ask a lot of a kid, and they did a great job of it. Philip Ettinger, who I was not familiar with, but is kind of a lie because I've seen him in stuff. He's been in stuff that I've watched and liked, and I just didn't yeah. know it was him. I actually thought that Philip Ettinger was a twin and that there was two people playing the characters. I already knew, obviously, we know there's only one Mark Ruffalo, so I know that Mark Ruffalo uh, was was playing both characters, but I thought he was a twin. Mm. And you were like, nay, this is one person. And I said, holy shit, this is one person. I have to watch the rest of his shit now. Like, I'm I'm so into whatever he's doing from here on out because he did such a freaking good job. And Mark Ruffalo, like, just... Before this, I would say that um, what was infinite, infinitely teddy bear or infinitely polar bear? Yeah. Teddy bear. What the hell? Infinitely. Yeah, you did see it. Yeah. When I saw that film with him, I was like, this is the best thing he's ever been in. Loving everything he's been in, knowing that he's an incredibly strong actor because I loved Shutter Island. And, you know, I like I love all his roles. But as a lead, when I saw infinitely polar bear, I was like, holy shit, this is the performance of his life. Yeah. This is great. And then he came out in this, and I'm like, holy shit, this is the performance of his life. <laughs> so I have a feeling he's going to do this to us again because he's an amazing actor. But there's just like, there's, there's that one role. You could say somebody is an amazing actor. Like I could, Philip Seymour Hoffman, for instance, a lot of people will say Capote was the role of his life because it was such a like deep character that took yeah. so much work. And that doesn't mean that I... There isn't other things that I prefer him in, but I can I can acknowledge that Capote was that role. Right. And for me, with Ruffalo, Infinitely Polar Bear was that role. And then this came out. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tie for me. It just just the the dedication on the weight gain and weight loss two completely different shapes to be in. Yeah. Um, I, I can't just you go. Well, I don't know. I can't I don't even know where to start. There was never a moment where I didn't feel that these were two different characters. Yeah. You know, they their commitment to, you know, both Marx and, and the production to to film it the way they did with like filming one side of his, then waiting until he gains weight and looks different, just made just comp- was you were able to be. I mean, there was obviously digital effects trickery going mm-hmm. on in a lot of the, the scenes, but that was done really well. And um, yeah, I never for a moment thought there was these two people and because they look so different, but it was the same person. Like it just works so well. And Mark Ruffalo is, I mean, fuck, he's one of the greatest of all time. I think he's so good in this. So good. Um, he just kills it. And, uh, was it Ettinger, Mark Ettinger, Philip, Philip Ettinger. When I said, man, like, I don't want to take any, anything away from Mark Ruffalo because he's so good, but I know he's so good. Yeah. You expect you know? that from him, but this guy, this guy he just i don't i would not i would not be surprised for him to win some awards or something come you know if we ever have awards again like it matters but he's just so good he was so good and he looked he looked a lot like him which they did a really good job with with casting but he is just i can't get over how good he is because same thing and and the trick with him is that you know mark ruffalo's character had the benefit of looking different mm-hmm. whereas his character looked the same because they were younger yeah. and so i still just subtle nuances in his performance and the way he looks and sits and stands all that stuff just made me think that these are definitely two different people 
I I thought they were. Yeah. I mean, and to, so I I thought they were two different people. It was just he's so he's so good. He's got a big that he's going places. That kid. <laughs> <laughs> I have not like there's nothing about this that I'm like I would oh I didn't really like this yeah nothing it was phenomenal it was phenomenal yeah and um I I would also like to give credit to Rosie O'Donnell who I think is yeah. a really really good actor and I don't think she gets enough credit she's a really good actor and I think because she's she's in this political kind of light that people either love her or hate her you know I don't know the woman yeah uh, but. When I when I see her in thing when she when when um we had seen her in MILF. Mm-hmm. Um She was good in that too. Is it MILF or Smilf? Smilf. Smilf. <laughs> MILF is a thing, but the show was Smilf. I thought she did such a good job yeah. as the mom. And I remember watching that being like, you know, Rosie O'Donnell's a really good actor. I don't think she gets enough credit. And then she was in this, and I was like, exactly yeah. my sentiments exactly. I I, I agree with myself. Yeah. <laughs> She she just did such a good job. And she her scenes in comparison to Ruffalo, she wasn't in the film as much. Mm-hmm. But the, the that's how show. you know somebody. Sorry, yeah, in the show. That's how you know somebody's a really good actor when they can take whatever limited time they have, screen time that they have, and be a memorable character. In comparison, she wasn't really in the show very much. Yeah. But I remember her character. And the same the same thing with uh, Archie Punjabi, yep. who was like, it was just the way she played, the type of therapist that she was. She, she just remembered her character mm-hmm. and didn't have as much screen time, but she was really important. Yeah, And that's why I kind of went down the list with all the people that were in this main people, because everybody was so memorable in the way that they played their part. This was just written so freaking well. Mm-hmm. Like, I can honestly say, like, that I can add the, the, this dude is like, I want, would love to be in something that he wrote. Mm. As an, I would love as an actor to be able to play a character that he wrote. Um, yeah, but I just man, <laughs> it was just amazing. Yeah, this show is so damn good. Yeah, yeah, it's it was really really good. Definitely and one it was of the like best shows. it was one of those things where you're like you know because when you have a character where woe follows them to this lane, it can get tiresome. Yeah, you can get yeah, to yeah. like, all right, how many things can this person go? Like, it's too much. I didn't feel that. I feared it because I you, there was this sense of doom that I was like, nothing good's going to happen here. But just the way that it was written and paced, it worked. Yeah. That I wasn't like, oh, another thing's going to happen. It was more like when it happened, you were like, no. Oh, God. Give yeah, this because guy it, a break. It wasn't, uh, it, you know, I, I guess a lot of that credit goes to the, the book writer, too. You know, not to take anything away from the people that adapted it, but, you know, to be able to structure it in a way that this character is going through a lot of shit without it seeming like, let's just see how much we can put this character through. Yes. You know what I mean? Trying to make this stuff feel organic. Because, I want to read the novel now because I want yeah. to know. like what Trying to make it feel organic, but at the same time, making it feel that drab and hopeless is a tough thing. It's a tough balancing act. And I think they did a really good job with it. Lighting. Beautiful. Cinematography, Looks beautiful. beautiful. Um, I mean, it's really stellar, top-notch uh, cinematography on it. Yeah, just, just, I just, I'm. I'm not just saying that. Rarely, <laughs> I'm. I'm normally a fan of like, let's end this. Yeah, you know, let's end this. And this is, it was a limited series, so this is it. I don't know. I feel. I don't. Yeah, I feel like it was good. I, I feel like it was good, but I was upset that it ended. Yeah. Like I, I, wa- I was not done. <laughs> 
it wasn't done in this relationship. Yeah. And uh, I felt kind of jaded. I was like, all right, so it's just going to end and now it's over. And it was one of those, it's one of those shows, right, where you have, um, you have like terrible event after traumatic event after emotional event. And they just, they just, it keeps going. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like a, a, a mud ball rolling down a hill of just shit circumstances that yeah. keep happening. Um, and then there's this break, but it isn't the, the, the stereotypical, like, Oh, you know, everything's just better. It's still with this, there's still the remnants of the, the, the trauma, right. But it's, moving along with it and learning how to move along with it yep um there were scenes there were um throwback scenes they went back into okay so like we'll go into the story a bit because this one i wanted to get into a little bit of detail um and so you're you're following this character who has a twin and uh one of which who has severe mental illness and so uh he's just sort of the he's the caretaker for a lot of people in his life and there's there's so much um, just sort of stress on. So it's it's Thomas and Dominic and uh, Thomas was the the mentally yeah. ill uh, twin and, and Dominic was the caretaker and then Dominic, their mother gets sick. And so Dominic's there for that. And then mm-hmm. Dominic takes it and he's lost to him and Catherine Hahn had a child and they lost a child. And so it's just like just one Sids, dark right, event. Huh? Sid's. I think that ins- they insinuated that it was Sid's because she died in the crib. Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, it's just like one dark event after another. And it's, you know, him trying to find any kind of, and, and so basically also they don't know who their father is, which I knew from the jump when she gave him, so their, their mother gives, Melissa Leo's character gives Dominic this book, but it's all in Italian. So he has to have it translated into English. And I already knew nothing good was going to come from that book. (laughs) When she was like, you know, when she, if you're not telling somebody who their father is, uh, there's a reason for it. And so I knew something was going to come out of that. I didn't know they were going to go in the direction that they went with, um, with the connection to another character. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch that on on the drink water, the drink water oh, yeah. family. I didn't catch that connection until almost like when it's you know the, once they introduced um the younger boy to when Melissa Leo was yeah. long, I, young, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait a freaking minute. But they had there was a connection to the drink waters in the beginning that I didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like this sort of discord that they had because he had lied about um Drinkwater sister, you know, so, but I didn't catch what was going to be happening there. And so they, there was this connection that was made that was a holy shit moment. And, uh, but when they got to, uh, Marcello Fonti's character, man, (laughs) just that guy was an asshole. And I mean, just to every, at every level and, uh, credit to the actor for playing it that way, but they did such a great job at, um, going back in time. Yeah, the show had a great budget. I mean, you know, the all the the props and the makeup, hair 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 and wardrobe, uh just I never, you know, I always bought what time period we're ever in whether it was the 80s or the 20s, 30s. Yeah, so whatever that other one was. I have to 30s, 40s, I got 30s. Um I have to say I felt like a complete ditz that I did not realize that the house once they went into the throwback scenes, I didn't make the connection that the house 
that Dominic and Thomas had grown up in was literally the same house they were showing. It was just yeah. such a different, you know, because other things had now, yeah. trees had grown and roads had been built. And so it just didn't make the connection until pretty he, far he into it that I was he like. the house to last. Well, I mean, mo most of those houses were, you know, they, yeah. they, they're still standing. But I don't know why I just didn't connect that when they showed the and i'm like oh my god it's a it's to say it, that's the house that's her father's house and she's living in it and um i just i'm gonna stop because it it's just so good just go watch you have to watch that not yeah. in an emotional state I, to you i'd say wait yeah or li like you'd you said, need like a like a comedic a buddy. palate cleanser at the end of something. it something you got to go. You you need a really like hardcore comedy <laughs> to follow that uh, because it, it's it's just so intense. Yeah. I'm sad that it's over. Yeah. I would probably watch that again. Yeah. That's how good it was. Usually with stuff, even though I love it, I'm like, all right, I've seen it and I want to keep that memory and I don't want to like kill it. It's not like with films, like I could watch a film over and over and over again, but I don't think I've there's only uh two series that I've sat through twice and that was making a murderer and the keepers because yeah, you so were jumping in. Yeah. And so I, I went, I went back in with you, but I normally don't watch a series over again, even if I love it. I'm just like, I don't know why I'll yeah. do it with films, but not with a series. And Unless I, it's like a comedy, you know, like a sitcom type of show. Yeah. But that's no, but I mean like, you know, yeah. Netflix and HBO yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, that kind of thing. I don't usually dive back into it once I've seen it. Um, Perry Mason's coming out. This weekend, it will have aired by the time you're listening to this. We're going to wait. Yeah. We've been waiting uh, for that one, mostly because Tatiana Maslany was in it. I'm not going to lie when I saw She's her in the commercial. like two episodes or something. Yeah, I know. But like she kind of, you know, it was like, oh, Maslany's in, you know, whatever she yeah. was doing. We usually watch whatever she's in. And so um, we're going to wait to uh, like we do with everything. We're going to wait till that's over and then talk about that. Uh, hopefully the next episode will have Jody Lee Lipes on. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm praying. talking to his publicist and, and getting everything set up. So if that works out, which hopefully it does, so many questions there. Yeah. I this it's like an amazing dude. So um shout out Steady Geekin, Reality Bomb Comic Cast, Not Up for Debate, Mega Brain Comics is uh I think they've opened up. We said that last time. Yep. And uh I believe Jeffrey Dean Morgan had went back and done signatures for the comic book on Negan that that uh was coming out. So yep. Uh, he had like shouted them out on Twitter, which was like really awesome yeah. because they're, you know, like supporting small business because he does live in the area. So JDM. that was um, that was really cool. And and hopefully more people will be going over to to Mega Brain. Um, MoGraph. MoGraph, of course. Uh, we have some news that, that we have to announce soon. But we can't tell we you. We can't say anything <laughs> yet, but it's pretty freaking awesome. Um, but I think. Partially, I don't want to jinx it because I'm yeah. like, this. there's probably a mistake. <laughs> uh, but we do have a special announcement coming. And, uh, you know, as usual, if you have a film or something that you want us to review or watch, please reach out to us. Filmmaker, yeah, photographer, like whatever you do, uh, anything in film, TV, web series, like we're here. We're, we're here. here. It's true. We are here. We're here. So um, reach out to us. Stay yeah. safe out there. We're still in all this. It's Stay still happening. Safe. Everything's Stay happening. Stay safe and, and, and we'll see you next week. Cover your damn mouth when you cough. Seriously. Bye. Bye.